Well, whatever happened yesterday, it is the opposite today. Well, except for the UK government, of course. That is still in turmoil. But shares, the US dollar, bond yields, they've all switched direction from yesterday. We'll look at why and the implications of hotter-than-expected inflation numbers in the UK and Canada, with the Fed still looking for any signs of inflation easing and not finding any. Today, Aussie employment numbers. What will they show us and what will it mean for the RBA? It's Thursday, the 20th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has lurched forward this morning up 0.7% on the DXY, around 113 now. It's still quite a bit off its peak of late last month, of course. The pound has helped with that uh, move upwards for the US dollar because the pound is down 0.9%. So is the euro. The Aussie dollar is uh, down 0.6% at just below 62.70 this morning. And stocks, well, a bear rally, Ray said yesterday. Well, maybe he was right because stocks are down today, a 0.9% drop in the Nasdaq at close, 0.7% off for the S&P. 500 and 0.3% down for the Dow on what was yesterday the anniversary of Black Monday 35 years ago. Uh, not that bad today, is it? But we are seeing strong earnings, of course. In fact, IBM reported after close with revenue of 14.1 billion. The markets are expecting 13.5 billion. Tesla missed its target, 21.45 billion, compared to estimates of 21.96 billion. Getting batteries and customers has been the problem for them. Uh, meanwhile, in Europe, the DAX closed down. 0.2%, so did the FTSE 100, uh, but the Eurostoxx 50 managed a 0.2% gain. And in bonds, well, 10-year treasuries are up 11 basis points, up to 4.12%. In Canada, they've pushed up 20 basis points, uh, up 9 for Germany for uh, 10-year bond yields. Uh, but interestingly, 10-year gilt yields down 7 basis points now. 30-year gilts down 32 basis points and below 4% now as the bond market sort of take corrective action for all that turmoil that we've seen in the UK. Does that mean the turmoil is over? I wouldn't count on it. Uh, 10 years were uh, at 3.94% uh, yesterday for Aussie 10 years, uh, up just three basis points there, but up another six or so since then on futures in New Zealand yesterday, up to 4.7%. And oil, what do you reckon? Oil could go either way, couldn't it? Well, let me tell you, WTI is uh, is up 3.1%. Brent is up 2.3%, sitting around 92.10 a barrel. So almost a complete reversal today. It's as if the markets have caught something off the, the British Prime Minister uh, when it it comes to U-turns. Uh, let's let's talk with Nabs Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. So yesterday in the US, shares bounding upwards. The US dollar down a little. Bond yields down. Today it's the opposite of that. Shares are down despite strong corporate earnings. The US dollar back up. Bond yields rising. Uh, I guess this is just showing, isn't it, what volatility we're seeing uh, in the markets right now. It's like a New Zealand weather forecast, isn't it? In fact, you know what we're getting today is the exact opposite of uh, of what it wasn't yesterday. Yeah, that's. That's right, Phil. Good morning. I think, yeah, what, what we've seen over the last 24 hours or so is that that kind of that that um, bear market rally, if you will, or the, the um, recovery in, in risk sentiment and that increase in equity prices that we'd seen over the last couple of sessions in the US did did really fail to, to take hold. And we've seen a little bit of a, a reversal today. And that's even despite, um, you know, some some reasonably upbeat um, earnings reports from the, the likes of Netflix and, and United Airlines. Um, so we've seen um, equities um, a little bit lower in, in that environment and really just, you know, this, the same sorts of themes about the the inflation challenge and, and hawkish central banks and how high rates will need to go with kind of yields, yields mostly higher around the world as well. And the, the US 10-year yield there getting up kind of comfortably above 4% at around 4.1%. We had Neil Kashkari on central bankers still talking it up. He was talking at the Travellers Institute uh, in the last few hours. 
uh, he was saying, you know, no evidence that inflation has peaked. Uh, little evidence that the labour market is softening, uh, mixed signals when it comes to getting a firm read on where the economy is. He's confu- as confused as the rest of us, in other words. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he, he recognised that there were lags, uh, but said the risk of undershooting on rates is bigger than overdoing it. So that's sort of like saying, yes, 75 basis points, then 75, isn't it, till Christmas? Yeah, so certainly Kashkari's comments, reasonably hawkish there, and really kind of underscoring that that message of how the, the risks around inflation just really aren't balanced and the, the costs that central bankers, especially at the Fed, see from, from doing too little uh, are very high. And so even though there were some comments in there, you know, acknowledging the lags, noting that some of the a lot of the pickup in inflation that um, that's been seen in the US hasn't been primarily driven by the labour market. But none of that really changing the fact that it's still the, the Fed's job to, to bring it down um, and noting that. The, the kind of core services inflation, um, which is the, the stickiest of all in his words, has has kept climbing um, and that the Fed keeps getting surprised to the upside on that. So noting there that, you know, there is still concern about about the durability and the persistence of a lot of those inflationary components and emphasizing that even if there is some release relief across that that good side that had driven a lot of the earlier pickup in inflation, the the durability of that services side is is still a big risk. Um, and kind of the, the key comment there in terms of, you know, the outlook for rates was was reasonably hawkish talking about, um, you know, rates getting to that four and a four and a half, four and three quarter kind of level over um, by by next year. Um, but then also noting that um, unless there was progress on underlying inflation, um, Kashkari doesn't see why um, he would advocate stopping at that kind of level. So if there if there isn't progress seen on those kind of underlying measures um, by the time the Fed's getting around that level, then you know not necessarily the case that with the Fed meaningfully in restrictive territory, they'd be comfortable pausing and, and waiting to to see that that data come down, given the the surprises that we've seen. So I wonder just how high yields are going to get because ten year Treasuries, well two and ten both up about eleven basis points today. Ten years got up to four point one four percent today, which is uh, it's not. Far off that now actually that's a 14 year high how much higher will they go it's a it's a, a good question phil um it's hard to hard to know exactly with the um <laughs> can't get your crystal ball out i mean but it's, it's almost like every single day we're getting well you know they're even more hawkish well even more hawkish than they were last week i mean how you know how long does this go yeah, on for, I, I wonder i think it's... it just speaks to the the challenge there with with inflation proving to be to be more persistent and as kind of that evidence comes in yeah. there is a lot of uncertainty about how much central banks will have to do and then also especially when you look out you know further in the curve how high rates need to stay for how long and so as as you kind of get surprised and and central banks become more fearful of kind of a, a persistent inflation problem then that that kind of feeds into that that higher for longer narrative that would be supporting the, those longer end rates as well yeah well i'm looking at the uh, the beige book is uh, is just out in the last hour or so and look the headlines from that you know inflation remains elevated some easing in districts uh, flat activity uh, two sided declines two of those districts uh, wage growth widespread some easing more growth expected i mean it's very very mixed, isn't it? But there's not really any grounds for uh, optimism or, or assumptions that the, the worst is over when it comes to inflation yet. Meanwhile, in the UK, well, not perhaps no surprise. I mean, they've had a CPI surprise that that was a bit higher, inflation a bit higher than expected, not a great deal more, back into double digits for the headline number. Uh, but we're seeing yields down there because obviously they're in correction territory. But you look at what's going on in uh, UK politics and you're thinking, what? Why is there a correction going on? Who, want, <laughs> who wants to buy into UK yields, 
right now. I mean, it's still political turmoil over there. Yeah, so gilt yields, the the exception to the the kind of, you know, most most global yields having moved higher over the last little while with some some um, yields in, in the UK down a little bit across across most of the curve. And that's despite that upside surprise on, on UK inflation that, that you mentioned. So inflation that came in 10.1 versus expectations for 10%. So, you know, a 0.1% surprise in kind of the, the scheme of the, the surprises that we've had from the US and New Zealand recently. So maybe not quite as quite as spectacular, but certainly saying that, you know, inflation pressures are, are still very much um, present in, in the UK. Um, and yeah, food in food is fifty, almost fifteen percent. The core number as well, you know, six point five percent up from six point three. That was higher than expected. Yeah, but yet bond yields down uh, because of because of this correction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so it looks like the the action in in gilts is really just kind of a bit of um, you know bit of stabilisation really after the volatility recently. We had the the Bank of England's deputy governor um, Cunliffe speaking um, to Parliament as well, and may have kind of helped. Um, that that kind of theme, um, he was saying that it, um, you know, get increasing confidence that the the LDI episode, in, in his words, is is behind us, and so seeing some some more, you know, less fragility in in that area as well, and also um, noting that confident um, of gilt market conditions to to start um, QT on on November one, um, and also that the Bank of England expects kind of a, a briefing from. Um, from the OBR ahead of that October 31 um, fiscal announcement and then before that meeting on, on the 2nd of November as well. So certainly some comments from from him suggesting that, you know, there may be a little bit more stability um, ahead. Um, but yeah, in terms of that, those inflation data, um, I think it just, you know, it's a, a you know, useful reminder that before the, the mini budget and all of the volatility that we've seen in, in gilts recently, um, the, the UK still had a, you know, a, a high inflation problem and, and a, a um, Bank of England yeah. was, was responding to that. And so in terms of where they go from here, um, you know, not much change to, to market pricing um, over the last 24 hours or so, but still markets looking for pretty um, pretty sizable hikes from the Bank of England, despite the, the U-turn on a lot of those fiscal policies. So about 95 basis points price for November at the moment and about 175 by the end of the year over the next two meetings. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, and for those waking up this morning who, uh, who care, which is probably not many people, Liz Truss is still Prime Minister, but she's lost her Home Secretary and the Chief Whip. Uh, it's too complicated to go into, but they basically had a, what was called a three-line whip uh, where they were t- talking about fracking. There's a, there's a newspaper headline waiting to be written. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there were some, some, some MPs not voting in favour of that when they a three-line whip basically means you've got to or you lose. Anyway, I don't, I don't know why I'm going down this road. What, what, do we, what do we care? All we need to care about is the fact it's just turmoil over there. Uh, let's look at Canada, though, because they had a high inflation read as well. Numbers. We're happy talking about that, aren't we, Taylor? Uh, uh, so the core number there, 6% from 5.8% in August. The expectation actually was that it was going to fall, but it's gone the other way. So an, another country where we, you know, it's just not going anywhere, is it? It's just not It's not going down anywhere. Inflation is persistent around the world. Yeah, so that headline number in, in Canada, surprising higher as well, falling from 7 to, to 6.9. Expectations were a fall to to 6.7. The, the core measure, so the, the Bank of Canada looks at the, the average of, of three core measures, and among the three, they were... They were mixed, so the average of the three core readings remains kind of stubbornly higher at 5.3% 
year on year. Um, the, but, you know, the, the underlying pressure there is still still very much evident um, and, and this kind of breadth in that inflation data as well. So the, the headline number was really flattered by a, a third consecutive month of, of um, fuel price decreases, um, which is, you know, helpful for that that headline number. And certainly we saw a bit of a response from um, from pricing for the the Bank of Canada as well on on the back of those numbers. So, you know, early in the in the month, um, BOC Governor um, Macklem did say that there's more to be done to to cool inflation, and that he hasn't yet seen clear evidence that underlying inflation has subsided. And there certainly wasn't anything in that data overnight to kind of provide that that evidence that um, they're looking for. And we saw um, markets move to price in, you know. Um, more a 75 basis point hike at their, their meeting next week as, as more likely than not after pricing in, you know, just, just the risk. There was about 56 basis points of, of hikes priced in ahead of that data and now it's sitting up, up towards 80 basis points. So certainly quite a sizable um, move there and, and 75 basis points looking more likely from the Bank of Canada next week. So, uh, and the ECB I think next week as well, isn't it? And and it's it's difficult to know the situation in Ukraine is is certainly getting worse. So overnight, Russia's declared martial law in the four regions that they are laying claim to, saying uh, that you know they're trying to protect them from Ukrainians bombing those regions. Is their argument? But basically, people can't go out. They, they could be forced to resettle. They could face detention. That's what martial law would mean in those regions. And they've also been busy attacking a- energy supplies in Ukraine. In fact, about a third of its power plants have been destroyed in the last week or so, uh, with those Iranian drones also hitting civilian targets. So this whole thing is escalating you know and there's more talk of what if putin uses a tactical nuclear weapon how would the west react then all those which you know sounds shocking it sounds like we're over dramatizing things but people are talking about all of this and it's difficult to know you know how does that get priced in what does it get priced into i mean okay the nuclear option where the world goes silly uh you can't price that in and you know because we'll have other things to worry about than uh, than money but all the other stuff, all that uncertainty coming out of Ukraine. I mean, how do you uh, how do you deal with that? Do you, do you do you avoid Europe? Do you assume that it means more inflation for Europe? Do you, I mean, how and what is the question, Taylor? What do you do with this? It's a, look, it's a it's a very difficult question, and I think it kind of speaks to um, you know there's just some of the volatility that we've been seeing recently. It's kind of very hard to see a, mm. a durable turn in in risk sentiment in, in that environment where some of the risks that are there in the in the global backdrop are are so material, as you say. But yeah, in terms of in terms of how policymakers can respond, there's not really a lot of flexibility for um, you know the central bank policy to you know, to to nod towards some of these some of these kind of very material risks that are that are out there, especially with kind of the the imperative of the inflation problem. And so, in that environment, you'd have to say that the the ECB will will keep moving away from from where they are now. And seventy five basis points next week looks looks um, is well priced. Right now, Australian employment data today three and a half percent unemployment rate last time. That's not expected to change, but that is pretty tight, of course, isn't it? Yeah, so labour market data today expected to to confirm a, a still tight labour market, really. So consensus is at at three point five percent for the unemployment rate unchanged and, and employment growth of, of twenty five thousand in the month. Um, we wouldn't be surprised to see it slightly stronger than that. We're a little bit above consensus for for employment and and see the risk that the the unemployment rate does tick down back to three point four percent. But you know, broadly, what what consensus and what we're looking for is this that that resilience in the labour market. To, to still be there despite some easing at the margin and some of the more forward-looking um, indicators for labour demand. Mm. Um, but certainly all of those are still saying 
very, very elevated levels of labor demand, even if there might be some some easing right at the margin. And, you know, that labor market data doing doing nothing to really change the, the assessment for the RBA, we expect, given that they you know expect a still tight labor market at the moment. Right. But if it is that little bit tighter, does that mean we expect yields to go up that little bit more because we expect uh, the, the RBA is going to have to do a bit more? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, you know, RBA having having stepped down to 25 basis points in, in October, it's it's you yeah. know, difficult to imagine them stepping straight back up to 50 basis points just just the meeting after. But, you know, we're certainly not prepared to rule it out, especially if that that labor market data supports it. And, you know, probably more importantly, it's Australian inflation data um, next Wednesday, which is, is mm. more likely to make the case if that does surprise much higher and much broader. Um, yeah, but certainly, you know, a, yeah. a string of 25 basis points from here looks like the most likely outcome. Yeah, we got that CPI number before the uh, before the next meeting, haven't we? Uh, so also on jobs, we get the 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 uh, the, the weekly uh, jobless claims as well in the United States, which uh, they've risen a little in the last couple of weeks, but it's it's slow going, isn't it? And we we you know if the Fed wants to see a less tight labour market, they'd be liking you know want to see those uh, those jobless claims. Sadly for those people involved, they like to see them rising. Uh, and uh, existing home sales in the US too, uh, we saw a mixed set of numbers overnight with building permits increasing, but housing starts falling. I guess maybe the industry is just getting ready for when things eventually do pick up but i mean that, that i mean housing it's it, it's interesting but it's not going to influence the fed at all is it i mean they'll just see it as collateral damage they're they're on a path yeah it, a bit of volatility as you mentioned in the the housing data in the u.s recently those those permits numbers kind of thrown around a little bit by the the more volatile multifamily components um that we saw overnight um but you know you'd have to say you know as as a whole the the slowing in the u.s housing market is is pretty clear um but you know that's that's part of the the pass through from from interest rate rises that the that the Fed is looking for. So yeah, hard to see hard to see that shifting um, expectations for the Fed. Yeah, all right, very good. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Taylor. Uh, catch you again next time. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. And uh, just having a quick look. Yeah, yeah. Liz Truss still the British Prime Minister. Will she be the Prime Minister tomorrow? Anybody's guess. Uh, find out in the next exciting instalment of the Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll be back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.